We have an injury update on a former All-Star and player profiles on a couple of hitters who'd like to forget last season's second half. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have That's not me. had the three cold brews yet. <laughs> Got ahead of me on uh, my, my caffeine question, so glad, glad to know that there's been uh, some caffeination oh. in your life. I'm just glad three, I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, April 28th. I'm Al Melchior, and joining me for this episode is Michael Beller. And Michael, let's start off with a quick news item here. Not a whole lot of news. Uh, and in fact, on Monday, we did wind up talking a lot about Aaron Hicks and the Yankees' increasingly crowded outfield situation. A little bit of a uh, counterpoint to that uh, over in Queens because uh, Michael Conforto now is uh, back to 100% according to a report from uh, Mike Puma of the New York Post. He had sustained an oblique strain during uh, spring training, but he's back to taking batting practice and is expected to be just fine for whenever there's a 2020 season. So, um, you know, that was going to be a crowded situation no matter what, and uh, we're sort of back to, to square one there. But uh, we've got a couple of player profiles that are going to be really good, I think, Michael. Um, Reese Hoskins and Dansby Swanson, they do have in common a second half that was pretty forgettable from 2019, so that makes for some some interesting analysis. Let's start with Hoskins. You got him in the recent, uh, I believe it was, yeah, it must have been the mixed auction for uh, the triple play that uh, DVR put together. You got him for $14. Before we really dig into Hoskins, how did you feel about that at the time? I felt really good about that one, Al, um, for a couple of reasons. One being that I just like Hoskins um, at his price point, be it auction or draft. I like him this season. He's a target of mine, especially if I miss out on the elite group of first baseman or the elite group. And then the, the next tier, I would put Hoskins really more in the third tier, maybe bottom of the second tier. Um, but if I miss out on those obvious guys who I think most people would have ranked ahead of Hoskins, I am very happy to have him on my team. And then what made it even better was that all those guys had pretty much already come out. Uh, so uh, Hoskins was clearly the best first baseman still on the board, at least in my estimation. At that time, I had enough money that I was going to be willing to push it because I really didn't want to be scrounging at first base. Uh, but I felt really good about getting him for $14. I, I see a lot of reason to believe that we see the better version of Hoskins this year, or the first half version of Hoskins, or something closer to it than what he did in the second half of last season. All right. Well, yeah, let's talk about those two halves. And before we do, uh, I pulled open my tiers from uh, back in spring training that I did. And obviously those will need to be uh, shuffled, <laughs> reordered uh, once we do get back to baseball. I had Hoskins in my fourth tier and I was fully prepared to come into the show and have a big argument with you over Reese Hoskins. <laughs> I'm not so sure that our opinions are necessarily going to be that different, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I'll put it this way after doing a little bit of preparation and analysis uh, for the show, uh, I'm liking Hoskins a little better than I did when I did my rankings and my tiers, but I still might be behind you. So we'll, we'll see. But uh, the first half what looked like a, a really uh, encouraging trend for Hoskins last year. He slashed 263, 401, 530. That was much better 
than what he did in 2018, which was a, was more than a bit down from his partial season in 2017. But, you know, if he had carried that through, I don't even think we'd be having a discussion about Reese Hoskins right now because I think we'd be looking at 2018 as the outlier and just thinking that Reese Hoskins was totally awesome. <laughs> but then in the second half, just a dramatic slump uh, that really lasted for the whole second half, 180, 318, 361 slash line. Uh, and where it got interesting for me was looking at what actually changed. And actually, let's let's start with what didn't change. There was no decrease at all. In fact, no change in his uh, average exit velocity on flies and liners. Even though the ISO was much lower, his home run to fly ball ratio was cut nearly by 50%. Uh, no change in his average exit velocity on flies and liners. And no decrease in his fly ball rate. It actually went up a little bit. So do you find that uh, encouraging enough that you would actually just fully buy the first half from last year? I'm not fully buying the first half from uh, last year from Reese Hoskins. And, yeah, I was down on Reese Hoskins going into both 2018 and 2019. 2018 was a, 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 um, a sample size thing. 2019 was, you know, based on some of what I thought was true about him going into the 2018 season uh, coming to fruition in that year and feeling down on him on 2019. Now, I still feel pretty much the same as I have always felt about Reese Hoskins. I just think that the market has totally overcorrected on him because of what was perceived as a significant down season last year. I'm not sure last year was a down year so much as it was a course correction of what the, the, the path that he was on based on what his real skill set is from 2017 and 2018. And so all those things that you mentioned, the fact that so many of those underlying statistics remained the same, I think leads into what I am saying and is part of the reason why I still think that this is just a course correction. This is just the market overcorrecting itself on Hoskins because maybe he isn't the 2017 version uh, or you know the first half 2019 version and now they we are seeing this whole market swing against him and it is being a little bit of an overreaction. Another number that I look at from last year that really has me excited about him uh, this season is the fact that he slugged 375 on breaking balls. In 2018, he slugged just 263 on breaking balls, and any power hitter would a million times out of a million rather face a fastball than a breaking ball, even if it's 100 miles per hour. Give me a fastball, give me something straight, and I'll take my chances that I can hit it hard. I like the fact that he was able to get better in 2019 versus 2018 on breaking balls. Now, if you go back to 2017, uh, the, the slugging percentage on breaking balls was a ridiculous 551. A, no hitter is going to do that over a full season. B, that's just a very small sample size generation from uh, Hoskins that season and the fact that you know pitchers had no familiarity with him and so I'm going to give an advantage to a hitter in that case, especially one who does have some legitimate power as Reese Hoskins does. So you add this all up and what I see is a guy who pretty much has been the same player since he broke into the majors, uh, was maybe a little bit above his head that 2017 half season and then the first half of 2019, but you know you're going to get a lot of homers. I mean, even in what we're counting as a down year for Hoskins last year, he hit 29 homers. He scored 80 or he scored 86 runs. He drove in 85 runs. He walked 16 and a half percent of the time. So you love him in an OBP league. There's going to be some batting average risk here, but that's all baked in to what he provides in the power department and what his ADP is. I really see no risk 
at ADP. And when you compare him with where he is uh, against the other first baseman and how the first base market does bottom out in a really aggressive way this season, he is a very easy mid-level first base target for me to get on my teams and be happy about. Yeah, and I think that's the bottom line, is that whether you're optimistic or pessimistic about uh, Hoskins, even if you're a pessimist, that the ADP is something that you not only can live with, but I think you would you would find it to be a bargain. And we'll, we'll get into the specifics of that, of that in a moment. But I don't want to completely gloss over what did change in the second half for him, because there were some changes, some which are not concerning to me at all. Uh, I'd say there's one thing in particular that maybe concerns me a little bit. He uh, hit fewer line drives. That's no big deal. That's a very variable stat. Uh, So half a season of a low line drive rate doesn't bother me. He hit fewer uh, grounders. His batting average on ground balls was much, much lower. In the second half, it was 182. In the first half, it was 258. Uh, A typical uh, batting average on grounders is usually around 240. So that first half mark on grounders... Uh, I guess this goes back to you saying you don't really buy the first half performance. The 263 average in particular is just something that just doesn't sit right with me because Hoskins is somebody who pulls the ball a lot. He's really slow. And those are things that are going to kill your, your batting average on ground balls. Um, and so it did regress massively in the second half to 182, actually putting him more in line with his first two seasons. The thing, Mike, that Michael, that um, – that maybe is a cause for concern is that he pulled the ball less in the second half, which is kind of weird because the batting average went down and it should actually go the other way around. But that would at least partially explain the decrease in, in homers and in uh, ISO in the second half. Um, is that anything you would factor into a 2020 projection or is that just really so- small sample noise to you? Yeah, to me, that's noise for a guy who uh, has always been pull dominant, who's always been a legitimate power hitter, uh, to have a much lower pull rate over a, you know, what, not not even a full half season sample. Uh, Obviously, we know you play fewer games after the All-Star break than you do before it. Uh, I am going to attribute that to uh, a, a bizarre run over a you know 60 65 game sample and just the vagaries of baseball being what they are if it happens again in 2020 then I think it's something that we revisit but for the time being I, I don't put much stock into that at all I still think this is going to be a pull heavy uh, dominant left side of the field hitter and if that ends up being the case I think you can pencil him in for you know 30 homers over 162 games and you just love that at the price point yeah and and there's consensus on that and you know the projections they don't vary that much. Uh, on uh, on Hoskins, but I guess because first base is bunchy, it really makes a big difference in terms of where he falls in ranked uh, projected value. Zips is the most optimistic of the ones that are published on Fangraphs, and using those projections and the um, the 15 team format that you used uh, for your your Triple Crown auction, uh, using that particular format, he would have ranked fifth among first basemen uh, according to the Zips projections. Uh, which really surprised me. The uh, most pessimistic was the bat, and using those projections, that would rank him 11th among first basemen, but still give him $16 worth of value uh, with those full-season projections. You got him for 14 so you beat the boom. pessimistic uh, projection. <laughs> yeah, boom is right. Uh, so uh, that really, when I, when I looked at that, I thought, okay, I need to revise my ranking of, of Reese Hoskins, uh, having him 15th among first basemen and in my fourth tier, that's got to change when, uh, when I redo my rankings. You want to kick the coffee habit, but you're worried about your energy levels. 
to avoid the morning sluggishness and that midday slump, you need to make sure you're hydrated. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code BASEBALL at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code BASEBALL for 25% off your first order. So let's move on to Dansby Swanson. Uh, Like Hoskins, he had a a really disappointing second half, but the reason was much more obvious for Swanson. He uh, had a foot contusion on July 23rd, went on the injured list, and then was just a whole different player when he did uh, return in late August and not really in a good way. Hit just 194, no home runs in 114 plate appearances. But boy, before he went on the injured list, looked like a real breakout season for Swanson. A 265 average with 17 home runs in less than two-thirds of a season. What do you think about Swanson not even being in the top 30 among shortstops in Fantasy Pro's ADP? He's not really being drafted... Uh, as a uh, as a 12 team option other than you know maybe an end game flyer uh, i mean shortstop stack michael so i mean do you think that's fair or um do you think that the breakout is being overlooked and maybe even disrespected yeah i, I really don't get it al i mean i i think that this is a, a very good player and there are a lot of things to like beyond just what was looking like a breakout season before the foot injury last year first of all Let's remember, five years ago, he was the number one overall pick in the draft, and there was no doubt about he being the best player in that 2015 draft at the time. I mean, everyone would have told you that you take the shortstop from Vanderbilt, Dansby Swanson, and that's exactly what the Diamondbacks did uh, before moving him to Atlanta. I mean, this is a, this is a player who has uh, an extremely high pedigree, still just 26 years old. So, you know, he's not young the way that we talk about athletes being young, but he's 26. I mean, he is entering what we believe to be the beginning of his theoretical prime, his physical prime at least, and still just three full years under his belt at the major league level. So I would, I think there's a lot of reason to be confident in he being a real big player this season just on his own merits. Then you look at some of the contextual factors that are going to go into play for Dansby Swanson this year. He's going to be on a very good team. He's going to hit in a very good lineup. A question as to where he will sit in that lineup, but no matter where you are in Atlanta, you're going to have run scoring uh, opportunities, RBI opportunities. doesn't really matter where you are. You're going to be able to find counting stats, I think, with Dansby Swanson. Stole 10 bases in 2018, stole 10 more in 2019, and again, the foot injury, that's going to be something that really hurts uh, how much you're able to do on the base pads, especially when you consider the fact that he is so important to what that team does from a real life standpoint, right? Once he came back, all they really needed from him at that point forward was the level of shortstop defense we expect him to provide on a game in game out basis. And he was still able to do that for this Braves team. Now with the injury fully behind him, he can get back to being the offensive player that he started to become last season. Al, I I can't explain. I mean, I can totally understand why in a deep shortstop pool, he gets pushed down 
the uh, draft day ranks, but outside the top 30, that is inconceivable to me. I really, really like this player a lot this season. And that's not even taking into account the hair. Uh, <laughs> Good you know, point. The, definitely the, the, the strongest, uh, strongest part of his game at this point, uh, but maybe, you know, the, the other skills will catch up. Um, but, uh, you know, let's take a look at that ADP. Uh, because, yeah, on the face of it, it, it sounds almost sort of outrageous. And then you look at the shortstop eligible players ahead of him, and I have to admit, I have a little bit of a hard time pushing him up significantly. I can certainly find a few players I would put behind him in, in my rankings, but um, let me just read uh, the names of a few of the players that are directly ahead of him in Fantasy Pros ADP. And by the way, there's a, there's a big tier drop, T-I-E-R drop, uh, right before Swanson. So these players that are all just ahead of him in rank, there are several rounds ahead of him in ADP. Kevin Newman, who would you rather have, Swanson or Newman? Swanson by, I mean, 20,000 leagues. That's a lot of leagues. <laughs> That's a lot of That's leagues. Lot of, even more rounds. <laughs> uh, how about Gene Segura? <laughs> uh, so Segura is a fair one. I would still rather have uh, Dansby Swanson. Segura, I guess I think that could depend on your team build at that point. Segura definitely has the safer floor, but uh, I'm still taking Swanson in that one. Okay, this is a tricky one for all sorts of reasons. Uh, Garrett Hampson, different uh, numbers, obviously, different categories mm-hmm. you're getting from him. A lot of questions about playing time, uh, but in the final analysis, who would you rather have? Swanson, without question. I just don't trust Hampson's playing time. Yeah, and no, I'm with you there. How about Paul DeJong? Maybe more similar in what you could expect in terms of category contributions? Probably going DeYoung there more often than not. Again, it's a it's a floor-ceiling question for me on this one. I think DeYoung is who he is and very good at what he does. He's going to give you that power. Um, if I'm more looking for a risk at that point, I think Swanson would be the play. But in a vacuum, DeYoung will be my guy in that spot. All right, and last one, Didi Gregorius. Uh, I am taking Dansby Swanson, for sure. All right, so you, you've definitely you've moved him up, and if you put him – in the thick of where those players are in ADP, uh, you, you've got them really in the top 200 instead yeah. of, uh, you know, outside the top two, uh, 250. Or actually, uh, yeah, he's 256. That's Fantasy Pro's ADP. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, not quite getting the respect maybe that he deserves. Maybe yeah. people waiting that late, late season part of the stats a little too much. And uh, let's go to our featured read for today. Really interesting read uh, on The Athletic from Jake Kaplan. On a player that, frankly, I hadn't thought about in a while, I'm probably not alone in that, and that's Geo Meyer, uh, the once-upon-a-time first-round pick of the Astros who actually got taken ahead of Mike Trout. And a really nice piece on uh, Meyer's journey since his uh, baseball days. How ex-Astros first-rounder Geo Meyer found fulfillment as an Orange County cop. Uh, That's by Jake Kaplan on The Athletic. So I definitely recommend that you check that out. And uh, as we uh, wrap that up, let's wrap up this entire episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off of your subscription. Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15 or take a, take a, a look at The Athletic through a 90-day free trial. And uh, either way, everything that we do is included as a part of the subscription. If you're listening to this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. For Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be back with you on Wednesday. <laughs>